Welcome to Atmosphere Church. My name is Jim Cruz and I'm the lead pastor. We're a new non-denominational life-giving church located in the Conejo Valley, just west of Los Angeles. Let me just say on behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it'll touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we wanna make ourselves available to you in any way we can. Please leave a comment if you need prayer or if you wanna speak with one of our leaders in any struggle that you may be facing right now, we will be sure to respond to anything you need in your life. Here at Atmosphere, we believe that we should never forsake the gathering together with other believers. Don't use this recorded service as your church experience. Get involved in the local church to the extent that the people there know you by name. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our community. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at atmosphere.church. Finally, there's a lot of man hours that are put behind making services and resources like this available that are meant to help you grow and develop as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith. To make a financial donation, simply click on the link on our site that says donate and your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Remember, when you give to Atmosphere Church, you're actually giving through Atmosphere to change lives in our church in our city and literally around the world. We've already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the service. One day a little girl is sitting and watching her mother do the dishes at the kitchen sink and she suddenly notices that her mother has several strands of white hair sticking out in contrast to her brunette hair. And she looks at her mother and inquisitively asks, why are some of your hairs white, mom? Her mother replied, well, every time that you do something wrong and make me cry or unhappy, one of my hairs turns white. The little girl thought about the revelation for a while and then asked, mama, how come all of grandma's hairs are white? Like that. Well, I think it would be only appropriate that we talk about a mom today in our Bible study because we're in a series called Expectant. And we feel like as a church and even really as a community that we are in a season that God is telling us and calling us to live expectantly. That he's up to something and you may not see the final results, but you can just feel a shift going on. Man, we had a baptism service last Sunday night. I know not all of you were able to attend, but I mean, the power of God met us at Craig's house and Pam's house in a powerful way. And if you get our weekly, we put uh, the baptism, kind of the, the recap video uh, on YouTube, and you could get the link on our weekly. Uh, but I just thinking of living expectantly, there's a story that we read in the Old Testament. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can get them out to 1 Kings chapter 17. And uh, by the way, we do have some extra Bibles uh, that a friend of mine in Bakersfield gave me. And uh, so I, I had another case. So if you need a good Bible, uh, I believe they're out there somewhere uh, and uh, they can uh, help you uh, get one. But uh, a great study Bible is always a good resource for you especially if you're trying to move your faith forward in your relationship with God. But 
First Kings chapter 17. Uh, there's a man of God that is talked about uh, quite a bit in the book of First Kings and, and even going into Second Kings. You, you read about this man named Elijah. Elijah was a prophet of God. So in other words, God used Elijah as a mouthpiece of heaven to speak words from God to the nation Israel. And so uh, he had a very important job. And Israel was not following God very well. And so Elijah was given this commission by God, like, hey, you have to help wake these guys up to come back to me. And so he starts praying, and he feels like God leads him to pray that the rain stops. And so the rain stopped in the whole land. Now, you know, and I know, because we live in California, that when the rain stops, there are some major consequences, especially with agriculture. And so you don't have no rain, you have no food, and it's like a domino effect and it goes on and on. So now the economy is tanking because there's no rain. And God is speaking to Elijah like, okay, you're praying this, but now we're moving you. We're going to move you into a foreign land. We're going to kind of send you up the coast. So Elijah is obedient to God and and he moves as God tells him to move. And he says, there's going to be a single mom, a widow that is going to be in this land called Zarephath. And she is going to actually provide food for you so that you can bunker down here and let me do what I want to do in this area. And uh, we read about this in 1 Kings chapter 17. And it says, it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. And then the word of the Lord came to Elijah saying, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon and stay there. And behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks And he called her and said, please get me a little water in a jar that I may drink. And she was going to get it. And he called her and said, please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I'm gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for me and my son that we may eat it. And die. So she's in a very fatalistic mindset. She has no groceries at home. And I think a lot of times when we read Bible stories like this, there's a tendency to kind of remove ourselves and the humanity of this and think like, oh, this is like a Star Wars that happened in a galaxy far, far away. No, this, this woman is just like any other woman that is here in our culture right now. It's a single mom. She, she lost her husband. There, there's really no support system for her. And so she's really relying on people's good nature. And so she's like, I'm out of money. I'm out of food, and so I, I basically, I'm going to get some sticks, and I'm going to make the last meal, and we're probably going to starve to death. That's, that's her mentality right here, and let's keep reading. It says, and then Elijah said to her, don't fear. Go and do as you've said, but make me a little, little bread cake from it first and bring it out to me. So like, you only have a little bit for you and your son, but before you do that, feed me first. Like, this is ridiculous. And afterward, you may make one for yourself and for your son. 
For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoke through Elijah. This is a miracle that, that took place. As a matter of fact, this is the first time we're reading about Elijah. So before Elijah does all of these other miracles that we read about in the Bible, his first miracle was involving a single mom that was at the end of her ropes with her circumstances and her situations. But the story doesn't end there. Check this out. So, you know, they're, they're having the miracle. They're living in their miracle. Now it came about after these things that the son of the woman became sick. And his sickness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, what do I have to do with you, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my iniquity to remembrance and to put my son to death. Elijah said to her, give me your son. Then he took the boy from her and carried him up to the upper room where he was living. And he laid him on his own bed and he called to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, my God, have you also brought calamity to the widow with whom I am staying by causing her son to die? It says, Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and called to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, my God, I pray let this child's life return to him. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the life of the child returned to him and he revived. Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son is alive. And then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. What, what a crazy story. And just to put it in context, so you don't kind of do that, this is like some random Bible story that really has no application to my life. Just think about this for a minute. How many of you have maybe lived an era of your life where you didn't have a lot of money, and maybe you looked at your bank account and you only had a little bit left to maybe go and buy a few grocery items and hoping that it would last you maybe for the week so that maybe some other resource would be able to come to your aid and, and be able to make it. I, I mean, a lot of us can remember. I remember uh, when Tara and I first got married, I was just telling a story the other day to somebody that, I mean, we wanted to treat ourselves sometimes, and, and so we wanted to go to Taco Bell, but we literally did not have enough money for Taco Bell. We would go in our couch cushions and go, I found a quarter, and we were all excited because we were going to be able to eat at Taco Bell that night, and I mean, those are the good days, right? <laughs> and, and I started thinking about this. this. This story is so applicable to our situations because th think about this. Here's a single mom going into the grocery store. She has her last 20 bucks. She's going in going, okay, I'm going to buy a couple of items here. I'm going to take it back home, and, and hopefully it, it'll provide for my son and I. We'll have a nice meal, but then that's it. We're probably going to sit here. We're going to starve. There, there's going to be no hope for us in the future. And as she's going into the grocery store, a stranger grabs her, 
And not just a stranger, he's like a foreigner. So he has a little accent to him, and he pulls her aside and says, excuse me, ma'am. I don't know why. Foreigners to me are always from the South. Hello, ma'am. I was just thinking, you need to give me that 20 bucks, and you need to go buy me something. I mean, can you imagine the audacity? But, But think about this for a minute. Like, God could have sent Elijah to anybody. I mean, there were probably very wealthy people in the area. I mean, imagine, you know, somebody, you know, has a need and God says, I want you to go and, and uh, uh, live on this poor woman who has no money versus like going down there, I don't know, to somebody that lives in North Ranch or Lake Sherwood or some, some other kind of an upper neighborhood that, that could really take care of them well. But God's ways are not always like our ways. Because even though he wanted to provide for Elijah even greater, he wanted to provide for that single mom. And even though he was asking something from her, really, God wanted something for her. And that leads me to a big idea, and I want to give you some big ideas today, some, some big takeaways, some, some practical application that we can put uh, up there. And, and here's my first point that I want to put up there. God wants something for you more than he wants something from you. This, this is a big idea because a lot of times we're, we're thinking to ourselves that God wants me to give something up. He always is asking me for something. And And let me tell you, if God ever comes into your life and asks you for something, it's because he wants to put something else in his place that's even better than what you're giving up. I've seen him do this constantly in my own life since the time that I really fully surrendered my life to God. There are things I've got to tell you that I don't want to part with. It reminds me of uh, something somebody sent me years ago. It's It's a picture of a, uh, a little girl meeting with Jesus. And she says, but I love it, God. And she's holding this little teddy bear and, and Jesus has got this huge teddy bear just saying, just trust me. I love that picture because I believe this is how God operates in our life all the time. That he's calling us to give something up so that by opening our hand to God, our hand will be open so that he could put something in it that we desperately need in our life. But the only way we're going to receive from God is we let go of what we have so that we can receive what he has to give us. I've learned this principle time in and time out in my own life. Now, as we think about this idea... The other big principle here is that the miracle didn't happen until she gave the man of God her meal first. So going back to the illustration, it's the woman going into the grocery store with her final $20 saying, you know what, I'm going to give it to you. Knowing that I don't know you and you could be a hustler just taking my money and you're going to leave and now I have nothing to provide for me and my son. But she trusted him. And that act of trust, that act of obedience just unlocks something miraculous for her life. But she had to give it up first. In order for this miracle to take place, she had to let go of it first before she saw the results come to her. And that's so backwards from how we like 
to do things, right? We want to see the results first, and then we're like, all right, I want the guarantee that before I give you this, like, I, I, I want something that I know that is going to be provided back. And no, she trusted without knowing the results. She heard him say what the results were, but hearing somebody tell you the results and actually seeing the results are two different things, which leads me to another big idea, and that is um, the next point, God wants our first, not our leftovers. This is a biblical concept that I could probably spend probably the rest of our time together talking about the different scriptural references of how God wants us to give him our first. And it's not because God is desperately in need of your stuff. It's because the concept here is your priorities. It's the trust factor. And a lot of times, we let things get in front of our relationship with God. It happens to the most spiritual people that sometimes life gets busy, life gets demanding, and we put things in front of God. But God says one of the first commandments, he says, you should have no other gods before me. In other words, I should have first place in your life. I don't want second place. I don't want third place. And, and I'm honored that you want me in your life, but I don't want to be down the list. And if you happen to have a little extra time left over in your day, you can connect with me. Or if you happen to have a, a little bit of, of extra money that you can sow into people's lives and, and uh, for my kingdom, he says, no, I want you all in. I want to be the priority. I I want you to leverage your life for my kingdom. And really, the only way my kingdom is going to be fully realized in your life is when I'm in that position. My kingdom doesn't really work when I'm in the third slot or the fifth slot or the tenth slot. My kingdom only really works when I'm in the first slot. So it's giving first instead of giving leftovers. Now, the cool thing is, that is when God's kingdom is unlocked for all of the other needs in your life. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Listen to what it says. It says, seek what, church? Seek first God's kingdom and what God wants. Then all your other needs will be met as well. So God's saying, hey, you take care of my kingdom first, and then my kingdom will take care of everything else that you have a need of in your life. Well, it goes back to that woman saying, okay, I have a decision to make. Do I take care of myself, or do I take care of this man of God? I'm going to take care of this man of God because I'm going to choose to believe that he's saying this is never going to run out. And and this provision that I've been praying for, I've been crying out to God for, possibly he sent this man of God in my life to bring me the needs that I desperately need in my life. And God provided for her, but only when she gave to him first. There's a God story. Uh, I, I hear these God stories all the time. And this isn't a message about giving to the church. This is a message about giving first. And uh, a good friend of mine, Jerry Johnson, he's a part of our Vegas campus uh, and his wife, Kat. Uh, they started coming to the church, I don't know, about eight or nine years ago. Now he's uh, on staff at the church, but they had just this crazy 
God's story when it came to giving, and I just had to play it for you guys because it just went so well uh, with this morning's message. So listen to their God story. My name is Jerry, and uh, this is my wife, Kat, and this is our God story. It started about two years ago. Kat and I really wanted to go to couples retreat. It was our first couples retreat, um, and we didn't have a lot of money. <laughs> In fact, we were broke. We knew we could get to couples retreat, but we didn't know how we were gonna get home. We had no gas money to get back. And we were gonna eat. Um, Using gift cards that people gave us from uh, Christmas. Yeah, so our plan was to get to couples retreat, use the gift cards, we were gonna find an Outback or Starbucks and just eat, and then figure out how we were gonna get home. Well, I remember it was a, a Wednesday um, and we were worshiping. And when the offering uh, basket came around, um, I reached in my pocket and I had about $14 in my pocket. And I put the $14 in and I passed the basket to Kat. And Kat. And so with me, what was going on in my head was like, okay, I got $40. I know I need this for couples retreat, but I got a tide. So I'm like, okay, Lord, I don't know what to do because we really need this. So I'm like having a struggle here. And um, so I finally just go ahead, I went ahead and put my $20 in and I just prayed like, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm giving it to you and I'm trusting you. And I didn't know he, he gave already, which was kind of good because I still uh, went with how I felt like I should do. Um, so knowing that we only had $20 in our, in our name, I'm like, Lord, bless this one. And uh, this was the Wednesday before the couples retreat. Right. So, so it was pretty close. Yeah, we were going to be leaving that Friday to go to couples retreat. But I remember the funny thing is I saw her put her $20 in as I handed her the basket. And I remember thinking, what are you doing? Like, I just tithe. So while we were driving home, we were laughing about it. We were talking about it like, and she told me, hey, I put my 20 bucks in. And I said, I put my last $14 in and we're laughing. Well. When we got home, um, I went to go check the mail and she was started dinner. Um, and what was odd is that I went to the mailbox and there was only one letter in the mailbox. You know, when you typically open your mailbox, you're getting um, junk mail and all this. Well, I only saw one letter and I pulled the letter out and I looked at it and it looked like a check. And I'm thinking, wow. So I'm walking and I'm opening the check as I'm walking back into the house. And then I remember looking at the amount and it was a check for over $5,000. So I walked in the house and I told her, I said, hey, we got a check. And she said, um, oh yeah, I'm expecting something like 150 bucks. And I said, no, this is $5,000 and so I looked at the check and I just started bawling. I was crying and I was so thankful. And we just started praying because it was such a blessing. It certainly that amount was not expected and uh, came at the right time. And what we didn't know, um, God was already working while we were in church that Wednesday and we were being obedient and tithing. And you know, the word says that, you know, that our heart should be that we were open and we were cheerful tithers. Um, it's a blessing that, that God showed um, His faithfulness to us um, as we were being obedient and tithing. 
So um, we are we are totally blessed, and we 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 thank this church immensely for putting that on our hearts, and um, not saying that it's always going to be monetary that He blesses us, but we know that um, that our home, our transportation, our um, ability to help others has been all um, a blessing since that day. And I can specifically look back to that day is when it all changed. So it, it, it was a blessing to see God work. And, and again, we, we've been um, fortunate um, blessed. and blessed. The cool thing about uh, Jerry and Kat's story, th this principle isn't just about money. This is about your time. This is about other resources that when you actually say, man, God, we're making your kingdom a priority in our lives, that is when God starts moving for all of the other areas of your life. Here, here's another big principle that I want to be able to give you guys, and that is obedience leads to the miracles, Obedience leads to the miracles. In other words, if this woman had said, no way, dude, I'm not giving you my last 20 bucks or I'm not giving you any water or bread or inviting you over my house, she would have missed out. There are things that God is wanting to unleash upon our life, miracles and breakthroughs, but it's gonna take our obedience in order for those things to be put into motion. We've talked about that over the last couple of weeks. And I don't know, you'll, you'll get maybe somebody that will give you a word. You'll get maybe a, a little nudge in prayer. Like, I'm supposed to do this. Maybe I'm supposed to go and talk to somebody. Maybe I'm, I'm supposed to go and give this to this, this person that's in need or to the church or whatever. And, and you get into this, this place where you start hearing God speak to you. And we teach this a lot here at Atmosphere is God begins letting you know through your Bible studies or letting you know as you're listening on the radio, you've heard the same thing like three or four times. You're like, okay, God, I get the picture. Like, I know you're telling me that this is what I need to do. And so God will go out of his way. He'll tell you to do something 10 times, but he can't make you do it. That part is on you. But then when you do it and you step out, man, that's when some cool stuff happens. We're, we're getting ready to sell our house and uh, get down here full time. And so we're in this transitional period uh, of leaving uh, where we're at in Bakersfield to, to move down here full time. And, and so we're at that horrible stage in the process, uh, getting the house ready uh, for sale and all of the things that we've been living uh, with broken, we have to fix now. And uh, so all of this stuff, right? We're like, ah, oh, uh, we got to fix lights. So I, I'm doing all of this like con contractor stuff this week and getting, in, getting the house already. And this guy comes over to repair some of the uh, um, stuff on the outside. And a, a friend of mine recommended him. So he comes and I noticed that he has uh, bandages on his arm. And I said, hey, brother, like what's going on? If you don't mind me asking. And he said, oh, I had dialysis. Uh, I have bad kidneys. And so I have to go three times a week. And this guy's young. He's like 38 years old. And and so he told me that he's had a problem with his blood pressure and, and uh, now it's affected his eyesight. Like he was just like, he's a mess with his health. And the whole time the Holy Spirit's saying, you're gonna pray for him. You're gonna pray for him. And he, he doesn't know that I'm a pastor. He doesn't know anything about my life other than he's over here to repair something on my house. And I just kept hearing it. And I even went inside and I'm like, okay, Lord, 
I'll step out in faith and I'll pray for him, but I need to know it's you. I need to know it's you. And as I'm in the house, I turn open the word and it talks about praying for the sick. And I'm like, I know I'm supposed to do this. So I go outside and I'm like, hey, bro, I go, I don't know if you know anything about faith or you go to church. He goes, yeah, I go to church. And he was telling me the church he went to. And I go, well, check it out. I'm a Christian and I feel like God is telling me right now I'm supposed to pray for your health. He said, man, please, I I need it, man. I'm just, I'm in a mess. I go, let's pray together. So we pray. And and I kind of felt like Elijah, like the first prayer. I was like, how do you feel? He goes, ah, you're about the same. And I'm like, let's pray again, man. And then we prayed again. I prayed over him like four times. I was like, let's just keep praying because I'm convinced that when God begins meeting the physical, like the person that you're praying for begins feeling something. I've had people tell me they've had sensations of heat. I've had other people tell me they feel kind of almost like light on their feet. Um, all these sensations. So I'm praying. I'm believing that God's going to cause him to feel something. And, and about the fourth prayer in, he says, I've got to tell you that on the way over to your house, I started feeling really sick. Like I, I, I didn't think I was going to make it over here. And then I just like, I've got to go do this job. And I said, well, do you feel nauseous right now? He goes, no. Matter of fact, I feel completely healthy. I feel normal. I haven't felt this good in weeks, if not months. And, and he's sitting there smiling. He had a couple of workers with him. And one guy is like, will you pray for me too? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Come on. So I got to pray for that guy. But what, what kind of miracles can be happening through our life when we start listening to those subtle nudges by God to step out of our comfort zone and to pray for people that need prayer or or to to maybe even, you know, uh, uh, give an encouraging word. Because the secondary side benefit is that when you start stepping out in faith like that, not only do miracles happen, but God begins processing something in you. When you start being obedient to the Spirit of God living in you, the Bible says that you have life and peace start setting in in your souls, in your minds. Now, how many of you could use a little bit more life and peace in your lives? Come on, everybody, right? Check this out in Romans. This is what it says. It says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, you're listening, you're being obedient to the things that the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. Think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Some of you came to church this morning just for that scripture, that God wants to fill you up with life in peace. But the life in peace comes when you finally come to the realization that you've got to start being controlled by the Spirit over all of your other natures that want to come and dominate your life. Now, here's the last point, is that yesterday's provision is faith fuel for today's problems. It's faith fuel. Faith is a substance, the Bible says. And faith is that ability to see something real that necessarily hasn't happened yet. You're, you're able to kind of forecast and say, wow, I see it as, as if it's happened, but it hasn't happened yet. That's faith. And what faith is, it's, it's moving your life towards that which you cannot see fully 
realized yet. So, so you're like, I'm moving that direction. I'm so confident. I'm so assured that this is truth. I'm moving my life towards it. That's faith. And so when God starts showing up, doing things for your life, taking care of your needs, what he's doing is he is fueling your faith. He's filling the tank up. And so as you collect these God stories, as God begins giving you breakthroughs with your jobs or or with your health or with your family, with your marriage, I mean, the list goes on and on. But as you start seeing God begin manifesting himself, doing miracles for your life and through your life, it's filling the tank up. It's like being at Chevron, just going, boop, you're filling that tank up and it clicks off. You're like, man, my tank is full. Guess what? God is filling your faith tank full for the next problem that you're going to encounter. See, just because you're a follower of Jesus doesn't mean that the trials and the problems are over. Jesus said, don't ever misunderstand faith, that your faith isn't a rescue agent against problems and trials in your life. Matter of fact, Jesus said, hey, they're going to happen. Even Elijah, he's like, Dealing with the son, he's like, hey, man, God, thank you for using me to take care of the single mom and her son. This is so awesome. And the mom comes running to Elijah. Hey, he's dead. He's like, what? He what? What? Like, how can he be dead? Like, God just gave him a miracle. So Elijah's beside himself. So just because they had this provision before doesn't mean they were immune to a sickness that actually took the life of the little boy. But it was that provision before that I believe that gave Elijah the persevering spirit to say, hey, he didn't get life the first time, so I'm going to lay it on top of him again. I'm going to pray it again. Hey, he didn't get it the second time. I'm going to lay on top of him again. Because why would God provide for him to now just let the boy die? Like the provision that happened in his past was for the problem that he was dealing with in his present. Every time God has moved for you in the past, it's supposed to go in your tank so that you can take that out and use it to help you persevere through whatever problem that might be surfacing in your life. This is why note-taking is so good. When God starts showing up, when you start doing... uh, uh, you know, seeing God move for your life miraculously. I now on my iPhone, because of the notepad, I have a God story journal because you never know when a God story is going to happen. So I like to keep this, you know, live up to date on my iPhone. And here, here's the cool thing. When I'm bummed, pastors get bummed too. All right. When I get bummed out and I'm like, I, God, I don't see how you're going to like get me through this. I go and I start reading all the ways that God has moved in my life, and provided for me and my family. There's a situation, I'm going to end with this story. There's a situation in our Vegas church. To give you a little backstory with our Vegas church, uh, we were doing really well, and we outgrew the building that we were meeting in. And so we had to move to a new building, a new facility. And we prayed about this shoe store building that was vacant and had been vacant for a while, And they allowed us to come in at no cost as long as we agreed to fix it all up. So I had a bunch of contractors in the church. I'm like, this is a God story. So we moved into the shoe store building. And God began renovating this building through all of these different people. But it was right at the turn of the economy. This is like 2009. This is like when everything started tanking. And so people stopped giving as much as they were giving. So our church income went from a surplus to a deficit like that. 
And the other thing that we didn't forecast is moving to this new building meant the whole region around the church, the, the economic uh, standing of the people that lived around the church changed. We went from like this upper middle class neighborhood into a very poor area of Vegas, one of the roughest areas that is in Vegas. And so we watched this transition of, of people that just said, hey, it's just too far. And even though our church was growing numerically with people, we were shrinking financially in the area of money. And it got to that point where I'm looking at our staff and I'm looking at the money and I'm looking at the, you know, the, uh, all of the different expenses. And I said, God, I, I don't know how you're going to do this. And one month in particular, like our savings was done. And I'm like, God, I don't know how you're going to do this. And we went to the altar. The whole staff went to the altar that Monday. We just started asking God for the provision of heaven. And that week, somebody came into the church. They didn't wait till Sunday. They came in with a check for $10,000 and said they felt God tell them to come down here during the week. And they wanted to give it to us then. And we all just, the whole staff, we just started bawling. Because I was like, Whoa. But check this out, that wasn't the last of our financial difficulties. There was about two or three other things that happened in the years of being there. And even though like God was healing people and delivering people, it was a very urban church setting where it was a very rough area. And so the church just all, always had these needs. But it got to a point after like the second time that God just miraculously provided, when they would come in, the bookkeepers say, hey, well, uh, you know, we're, we're in trouble. I just laugh. Why? So why would you laugh? And because there was already example after example that every time we got a need and we prayed, God would fill the need. And so I got to a point, I wasn't sweating it anymore. Some of you, you're sweating your problems right now and you shouldn't be. God has went out of his way, not just last year or the year before that, but God has went out of his way for the last 20 years of his life. You shouldn't be sweating these problems because the same God that got you through all of those difficult moments the last 20 years is here today to get you through the problem that you're facing presently. This is what this story is all about. Yesterday's provision is your faith fuel for today's problems. I don't know where you're at this morning. I'm going to have the worship band come up. And as they're coming up, I, I just want you thinking about this single mom. I want you thinking about Elijah, this man of God, and this divine intersection that they have where God begins giving them something that was amazing. There's a scripture in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, or, or 19. It says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. God is here to meet your needs this morning. If you have a legitimate need, God is here for you. And maybe he's even using me as a conduit of heaven this morning to speak into your soul. Because maybe you're like this single mom. You're being fatalistic in your thoughts right now. There's no way I'm getting out of this. This is too much. We're just going to sit at home. We're going to waste away. God is using me as your Elijah this morning to speak life to you. Say, you're not done. Your story is actually just beginning. God wants to do a miracle in your circumstances today.
got to be willing to let go of what you have so he could put something so much better in place of that what you're giving up. Would you pray with me? Just bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, you know every life story that is represented in this room this morning. You know everything that we've been going through, whether it's been some family stuff, it's been maybe some health issues, maybe it's even a financial need. God, just like the single mom was struggling in her life, you saw her and you took this man and got way out of his way and you deposited him right in her life so that you could take care of her like you want to take care of all the widows, all the hurting kids, because that's your heart. Lord, you want to take care of your kids today. Lord, show us what area of this message that we need to really maybe dig into and maybe hold on to as we respond to you in worship. But some of you, as you're praying, you know you're far from God. Maybe God's been a leftover for you, but he's never been first. Well, I I pray today that you make a declaration that I made when I was 19 years old, that I was that Christian. I I had a little bit of God and a little bit of the world, and I was miserable in both spots. And it it came a time that God said, Jim, I want you all in. That means I want to be the priority of your life. I want to be first. And some of you, I challenge you today, the best decision that you'll ever make in your life is not just making God part of your life, but actually making God your life. Giving him that first place more than anything other, anything that that is in your life. That doesn't mean you can't have a second place and a third place. But when you make God first, he has this ability to take care of everything else that is in your life. Hey, thank you for tuning in today to another message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on YouTube, iTunes Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and even on Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and click either the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. And until next time, we pray you'll keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. God bless you.